Welcome to System Mastery, the furry steampunk anime podcast. On today's episode, we will furrily discuss anime steampunks via Silvervine, the uh, furry steampunk anime RPG. Also, there's airships? Too much? Well, it's still System Mastery. everybody, welcome back to System Mastery, the podcast where we review old role-playing games and where I am Jeff and where that is John. Well, what I want to know is where's the caveman? <laughs> You're the sheriff. <laughs> He's the sheriff and we're frozen out here. I, sorry, YouTube poops are insidious. So Sometimes it, it just worms your way it's avoided. the brain. They should be avoided at all costs, if available, to be avoided. Yeah. So uh, how you doing? I'm all right. Yeah? It's uh, it's getting a little hot, but that's fine. It's getting a little hot. It's going to be a lot hotter tomorrow, my understanding. Yeah. We are, we're beginning well, a, a wave of heat. <laughs> like yesterday. I'll call I'll call tomorrow. <laughs> You'll call now. I'll, I'll call now. <laughs> yeah, I... I uh, it's not it's not the worst thing today where I live. I'm sure it's blazing hot where you do. And tomorrow it's supposed to go up by another like ten degrees in San Diego. So yeah, it's always about ten degrees hotter where I am than yeah. here. So part of part, uh, there was a part of me that was hopefully going to push this episode back by a day because I've had the devil of a week for various reasons. Yep, and uh, I needed a little extra time, but. I looked at the temperature chart and was like, I don't, it would not be humane to tell John to come over here and record tomorrow. You know. Hey, leave the, the air-conditioned house and go into my garage. Yeah, yeah. Come, come stand in my, there's a fan in here. Hey. Yeah, and a little heater if we need that. Because <laughs> uh, we record at night a lot in the winter out here as well, so the heater's easier to take care of. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I'll make it work. The, just as an upfront admission, uh, I just had... It's been a tough week. I've got a lot. Multiple members of my family have been hospitalized for unrelated things in the past three days. Yep. Uh, and so I, I've been very busy helping with a lot of that, and uh, just sort of dealing with the realities that are, that come with having parents that are still alive when you're in your forties. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that means I haven't read the entire book. I kind of breezed past the part that's about the world. Hey, that's fine. Look, I, I this read the is... rules. It's got an and on the cover. It's the Silvervine Games core rulebook and Cirrus World book. So yeah. really, you read one of the books. That's I, I suppose that's fair. We might have a compilation of two books on our hands. And uh, so I read the rules, and I knew that John had read the the uh, the setting descriptions in addition to the rules because he's a good boy. <laughs> I'm a good boy. You're a good boy. My my tail is wagging. I know. I know. Who can possibly truly understand? Who can be understood to say? Who is a good boy? <laughs> Who even knows what is good or bad? Uh, you're a good boy. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> so so I know he'll be able to describe that section while I merely act bemused. Indeed. Yeah. So, sorry. But we did this rather than canceling, which was a real possibility. So, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Get the fuck out. <laughs> You'll get the scraps I give you. <laughs> They're the best scraps I can do with the, given my current circumstances. My scraps. Be nice to me. Oh, scraps. Oh. So, uh, okay. All right. Uh, so Silvervine, as mentioned during the intro, is, uh, bills itself as a steampunk furry anime game or furry steampunk anime. Yeah. You're leaving out another descriptor. It's oh. a furry steampunk anime 
fantasy game. Oh, for a steampunk anime fantasy. Yeah. You gotta you gotta put the fantasy in there because it is very much a generic fantasy setting that they went. Uh also there's anthros and airships, so we're gonna make it steampunk because we want mecha. There's an entire fucking chain of things you can get in here to basically build the fucking Megazord if you uh-huh. want to. Like they just put whatever the fuck they want to. And of course, in addition to all the elves and dwarves and ogres and orcs and all the standard fantasy stuff, Glorious Nippon is here. <laughs> yeah. It definitely feels like it's got that vibe. I mean, technically the Asia of this game setting is called Clave. Yep. Uh but and Which, we all know to clave means to bluff. <laughs> Part of me was literally wondering if clave was a pull from someone who was on the development team, because this is not a very old game. Yeah, it's this from... came out in 07. Yeah. In July of 07. So happy anniversary, Silvervine Games. <laughs> You're 16 years old. <laughs> you Let's did get you a car. <laughs> uh, no, what I was going to say is I, I, the clave made me think that they might have had some uh, exalted influence. There's certainly definitely a lot of white wolf influence here, mm. in, mostly in terms of the dice mechanics, uh, but there's a lot of influences pulled from a lot of places. Like part Now 2007 is making me second guess myself, because when I was looking at the art, I was like, okay, there's a lot of big waves, wave swords where they've really worked hard to draw kind of the water lighting effects along the blades, and everyone's wearing giant boots that are oversized with lots of extra overcomplicated soles. Someone played a lot of uh, Kingdom Hearts, is, it was one of the things I was pulling from this. Yeah. Not on a on an interstitial level, but on like an art direction level. They were very oh, I mean, Kingdom Hearts y. That's the thing, is the when they describe part of this as being anime, I'm like, that's outside of the fact that you can, you know, make your own like megazord essentially, that's mostly an aesthetic thing. Anime's always an aesthetic thing. Anime is an aesthetic. <laughs> or a medium. So it doesn't never make sense to call a game an anime RPG unless all you're trying to do is describe the type of art that you can expect to find therein. And hey, good news. That's what you can expect from this. Definitely someone who bought one of those how to draw manga uh, books at a Michael's. <laughs> yes, indeed. Or uh, right down to the big tear filled eyes drawn right over the haircuts. <laughs> God bless. I don't know how that's it's always anime that pulls that move where they're like, eh, hair goes under the eyes. <laughs> Hair stops existing when someone cries, so it's fine. <laughs> that's not the only kind of art in here. There's also somewhat surprisingly more competent art here and there that's kind of sprinkled throughout. And then my favorite thing in this book, the comic strips. Oh my god. There are sprinkled throughout mostly the beginning. It's weird. Like, in the rules section at the front, there's like five or six comic strips that are just atrocious They're, i would say yeah they they do old jokes one of them is one of them is the you don't have to outrun the bear yeah uh just straight up just it, the only thing is they changed it to like a, a a fat little dragon instead of a bear but it's literally just you don't have to outrun the you dragon you don't have to be f- faster than the dragon just faster than your party members all right yeah you also have like the did you just kill the baron what? No, that is the Baron. Oh, help me get a shovel. That's the whole gag. Yeah, it's, oh, I've got a cake. Oh, that's weird. Where'd you get a cake from? Wait, is that the dead Baron? Let me get a shovel. And I'm like, that's not a joke. 
Why are you doing this? That one felt like it was literally something that happened in a campaign that they thought was super funny at the table, so they drew it. Yes. Not realizing that it wouldn't make any sense to anyone who doesn't know who the fuck the Baron is. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here uh, that you can tell some of the world-building things and a lot of stuff that went on with this for the world of Cirrus, although it is... it. The the name Cyrus is how it is spelt, but it is it says in the book that it is pronounced Cirrus, so whatever. I, I'm always pronounced C-Y-R-U-S as Cirrus, so I don't know if that's just me. That's just you. Okay. That's me and these guys. Yeah. It's it's I all like of the book you. now. That just happened. <laughs> now I'm on the book side. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be really hard, but I'm going to make it work. <laughs> me and the book, we're one. Like, there are certain things about this I respect. The book... Very much is is uh, laying out its roots for you. Like, this is a book that was designed over many years by a group of role players who went to conventions and played with people to help them play test. Yeah, that was, that was the point I was trying to make of, originally, was Sorry. that this is very clearly, like, even in the art and a lot of descriptions, they took this game, went to a convention, and then after the session went, let's incorporate whatever our players did. Yeah, so it feels lived in, and that's nice. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, the... The system itself has some definite quirks and things that got overlooked in the system. Mm -hmm. But, like, when you get to the system setting stuff, you're like, okay, you've got a lot of information about a lot of places. A lot of it is very generic fantasy, but you've got some interesting things going it, on. It certainly feels like the setting information was written separately from the from the book, the rules, because the rules will tell you stuff that does not bear out in the setting information. Ah. Uh, not not much. Like to do that, let's start going into character creation and talk about the things you can play as. Sure. Uh, obviously, you can play as humans. Uh, when you build your character in this game, they will have there. I, I think there are six stats in this game. Uh, and you, you will have a total of a positive four, uh, to your start before you start adding in points for your character build. Yeah. Every so time every you species, pick a race, yeah. you get, uh, a plus two to one trait and a plus one to two others, mm -hmm. except for orcs that get two plus twos for some reason. <laughs> uh, but the species you can play as are, uh, pretty straightforward with a couple of fun exceptions. Uh, humans, obviously, gotta be, gotta have humans so you can do art in the book. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you get your standard fantasy ones as far as, like, humans, dwarves, elves. You've got five different versions of elves. Yeah. The hilarious one being the dragon elves. Yeah, yeah. Which I, <laughs> I love because of the art on that one. Yeah, so there's four kinds of elves. They are... Basically, high elves and wood elves. They just set them aside. They're not called that. They're called like green elves and oak elves. Uh, but then you also have the dragon elves, which are hilarious because even though there's another race called green elves, dragon elves are defined as the ones that are green. Also, they have really weird ears that set them apart from all the other elves. And several of them will go as far as to cut their ears down so as to not appear so weird and fit in with elves. Because without those those ear cuts, they are freaky looking to other elves and to everyone else as well. Oh, yeah. And... The whole thing goes like, oh, a lot of people think dragon elves are just like a myth and they they hide from people. And if they do go among folks, then they do that whole like ear mutilation to look like normal elves. Yeah. Um, the, the picture of one has no ears. It's just a dude with long hair. And, yeah. And without that and just with a little bit of a light green cast to him, you can't tell if what, what, what you couldn't even tell if he was an elf, let alone a special elf known for their ears. Yeah, it. 
just looks like some random human with green skin. And all the other elves have long hair, hair too. They just have their ears poking out of it. Oh, yeah, because they have the standard, like, anime elf ears. Yeah. So instead of just being like the Mr. Spock elf ears, they're the full, we go out like four inches from the side of our head. Ears. Yeah, they got those those like night elf or blood elf elf ears. You know, yeah. the, the World of Warcraft type where they're enormous. The fourth me- uh, type of elf, by the way, is surfers. surfers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... You get beach elves. They're, they're not called surfer elves, but they are the species. There's only a few of them. They have a, like one little tiny community that's all that exists in the world, but they are a distinct subculture of elves that is built around surfing, and they have invented surfing. Yeah, the sun elves are the elves that surf and summon, and that's their whole deal. Is yeah. They're like, yeah, we're we're summoners, and we're the best at summoning, and we love to hang ten. And I'm like, all right, yeah, they're sure. The, they're the ocean-going summoner species, which which means that they're basically whoever was designing them was playing Final Fantasy X. Ah. <laughs> so, you also have dwarves, which has my one of my favorite things in the racial descriptions, because there's a part where it mentions that you know, you, you go, whenever you write dwarves, you're like, all right, they're short, they're stocky, they're good engineers, they're very tough, they're hard to move around. Ha-ha uh, beard jokes, right? That's how you do a dwarf. Pretty simple. And no exception here. All that stuff is correct with a bit about how, oh, there's a rumor going around that female dwarves are indistinguishable from the men because they also have long beards. This is untrue. In fact, some female dwarves are actually kind of attractive. And I was like, well, that's kind of a mist- mixed message of a thing to say. What, if they had beards as a species, wouldn't the dwarves find them attractive because that was the baseline? Yeah, that would be what like, they would be attracted to. I feel like to. that's a pretty, ex- a pretty exoticizing thing to say about them, to say like, oh no, some of them are almost hot by our standards. <laughs> You'd almost fuck a dwarf. You could almost pretend they're people. <laughs> I probably wouldn't use that language. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe. <laughs> Ogres, although they're actually called like Ogrinians or something. Yep, you get the Ogrun... They look like giant gizmos from Gremlins. I mean, the Ogren Dumb. That's it. Ogren Dumb. Ogren Dumb. They're not dumb, though. They're oh, no. Here. Their whole deal is that they're incredibly smart, Except but they're, they're also huge and strong. Yeah, their stats don't bear out that they're incredibly smart. They have a plus smart. one to knowledge. They have plus one knowledge, but that's not a plus two. They have a plus two to strong strongliness. They keep talking about, oh, the, everyone thinks these guys are big, dumb idiots, but they're not. Every one of them is a genius, warrior, poet, engineer. And you're like, nope, they're about as smart as a lot of the other species. I mean... More so. Yeah. No one gets fucking Are they knowledge. only plus one knowledge? Like, the only ones that get knowledge are, I mean, if you're a human and you pick it, because yeah, obviously get, humans get to pick whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then, I think... I thought at least one of the animals was going to get him, because we I, haven't gotten into the furries yet. Oh, the the thing is, there are animos animalia, which mm-hmm. are actual smart animals. So, yeah. like... Just a talking wolf or a talking rabbit or whatever. Yeah. And or a talking not- cat. <laughs> a cat talking to me? <laughs> you know, not anthropomorphized at all, just, you know, animals, but they have sapience and the ability to speak if they want to. And they also have, well, they don't technically, because they're completely indistinguishable from regular animals, all the drawings of them have them, like, wielding swords and jumping around and stuff, so they theoretically have functional hands, although they're invis- they are they wouldn't be recognizable as such. The, I mean, there is a focus in this, which is pretty much like feats, yeah. uh, that is specifically for the Animos Animalia that's, yeah, you can hold stuff. Okay, so you take a feat for that. Yeah. And coincidentally, every single one of them in the book that's pictured has taken that feat. Oh, of course, because yeah. it would be boring to just go, I, I drew a wolf. You're like, no, I have to draw a wolf, but he's got like, a weird coat on and goggles and shit. 
Yeah. Uh, you also then have the blooded Animalia, and the blooded Animalia are all of the anthropomorphic ones, and all of them have their own individual attribute stat lines. Yeah. And so you get, like, bear-blooded and cat-blooded and dog-blooded and frog-blooded and so on, yeah. and it's just... The other thing, by the way, every mm-hmm. race gets, in mm-hmm. addition to your plus two and two plus ones, Yeah, you have a movement rating for how fast you are. Yes, you do. You have two focuses that you get at half price. So you're better at doing them just generally, so you ha- you only pay half as much to get them. Yes. And then your starting hit points is calculated as whatever your toughness attribute times a number and so the number you multiply it by is different for each race. Yeah, yeah. Now, there is none a... of that is balanced, by the way. Not at all. Because you can, everyone's going to get the same, you know, plus four total on your stats. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you're like, oh, I could be like a times nine, which is the max to toughness, and still be as fast as a guy who's got like a times four to toughness. They didn't get anything better for yeah, doing no, that. There's no benefit to make up for the loss of movement speed or the loss of toughness in any particular situation. Some species are just stronger and take more punches than others, and don't worry about the details. Uh, there are there are a few rules for the blooded. Uh, notably, there are basically a list of things that won't be blooded based on the whims of the god Tacos, which we'll get deeply into. Yeah, uh, the god of this, the good guy god of this game, is named Teos. Yeah, T A. E-O-S. But the font in this book is weird with, yeah. when it comes to uh, the little loopies they add to various letters, including the E, making it look like he's the god Tacos. Yeah, it was, especially reading this, the very first thing I ever sent to Jeff reading through this was like, God, I just hit the dwarf section, and I swear I read the sentence, and the dwarves were made in Tacos' image. And I'm like, what? <laughs> the fuck are you talking about they must seek out the temple of tacos and make payment there that's like yeah same (laughs) i get it tacos is holy day is tuesday (laughs) yeah so and then the bad guy god is named mink uh but we'll get into we'll get into more of that later um so tacos teos decided that uh there are certain bloodeds that won't exist largely out of a sense of like being nice to them so he said no fully aquatic species will become blooded because that way they 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 wouldn't feel like they had to separate out their lives from the from well yeah the... any aquatic or flying because he's like I don't want to deprive you of what you are yeah because if I take a flying uh, animal and make you anthropomorphic you're not going to be able to fly anymore and that's fucked up yeah and if I take an aquatic species and make you anthropomorphic I'll either have to decide. You don't get to be around the other blooded animals because you can't be in the water anymore, or you're just going to be isolated and lonely because you're only in the water. And also, no cows because there's minotaurs in this world. Yeah, minotaurs already exist, so I didn't do any cow blooded. Yeah. Um. So I mean, you could be deer blooded if you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting that I guess uh, minotaurs exist, but I guess that means that like satyrs probably don't. Uh, there. I mean, there is um, a satyr race that you can be. The Zashiri is oh, right. like a six-legged satyr, essentially. That's right. I forgot about them. They're like Wemic satyrs. They're very weird. They're strange. They have like zebra parts in there, too. They're the weirdest species. Yeah. Uh, but 
So those are the rules for blooded. That said, you can tell that they don't really they don't care about their own rules all that much in a good way. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this positive. A lot of this book is basically t- tilted towards do whatever you want, and if if it's it's very rule of cool. Yeah. Uh. It, so for example, there's almost all of the early art is pictures of of uh, parties that played at various conventions during the testing and development phase of this game. Yep. And so one of the parties has like a lobster blooded. In it, like a giant lobster man, you like that? That's an aquatic thing. That wouldn't, you can't do that. But you, who, who you said that f- doesn't exist. Yeah, but it's fine. Who gives a fuck? It's I, rule of cool it through. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, same thing with I, I'm still a little torn back by the penguin blooded that you see at one point because they're like they look neat. There's like a penguin detective, and I'm like that's a cool idea. And yes, technically penguins aren't flighted species, and they didn't say no birds, just no species that could fly. I would argue instead that they are primarily aquatic. And therefore, giving them the, the gift is kind of a mean thing to do, because they're really only on land to hang around and fuck. Same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Aren't we all? Look, I get it. <laughs> uh, now, humans get two subtypes. So you have human, then you have Icelandic human. <laughs> yes, and that's because there's a part of this world called the Icelands, not because Iceland exists. Yes, there are the Icelands, yeah. but they are... Icelandic humans yeah. is their race. You'd think they'd be called like Icelandians or something just to help di- differentiate them from, you know, like people from Reykjavik. But no, that's not the way that they did that. No. Uh, I also enjoy that their attribute stat line is the same as the Ogrendum. They're also a plus two strength and then knowledge and toughness. Yeah. So, you know, a, a Norseman and an ogre are pretty much the same. Yeah, once you get down to it, yeah they're, yeah, they're the same thing. I don't know if you've ever been to Norway, but it's basically just ogres. Yeah. You've also got, there's a few more. There's goblins, and then there's also... Oh, no, there's another human type. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know there was a third one. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Surins or The whatever? Aruna. Okay, yeah. The Aruna are genetically engineered sci-fi humans because this setting has a point where... A spaceship crashed on the planet, mm-hmm. and humans who were running from the god elves, who were the big bad guys centuries ago, yeah. went into a spacecraft, turned it on, and turned on the shields so that they could be safe from the god elves. Yeah, They found weird tech in there and just started genetically manipulating themselves. Uh-huh. So they are a race of basically cyborg humans. They have like cy- nanite parts. They're they're all super. Uh, they can't be wizards. Is their big thing. They're so genetically modified that they can no longer be in tune with magic. Right. Uh, but also their whole deal is like you would never play one of these. They only exist in one small city. They hate everyone else, and they're just like. Oh, we're the master race, and we'll only go outside to, like, steal other people for their genetic material. Yeah, but basically they're there because they live on one of the floating islands that, that exists over the continent that is, ba- the clave continent that is basically one of China but Japan. Yep. Uh, where it's the size of China, but it's Japan. Uh, but it's called clave. Uh, so you can tell because they all wear kimonos and carry katanas around and all the names are Japanese names, but they're like, it's the mainland China continent, but it's Japan because we like anime. Oh, yeah. It's just... Hey, what's going on over here? Well, obviously the Forbidden Palace is around there, and the Emperor will have all of these things that are very Chinese. And then there's katanas and all of the various ninjas, and you know all the all the words that are Japanese. We just because we like what we like. Um, so they float above that. So they're basically the most powerful Asians <laughs> with the best katanas. They've got vibro katanas. Yeah. 
Um, well, they're definitely, they, they have a little bit of a vibe of, uh, oh, someone played some Chrono Trigger. <laughs> uh, a lot of heart on the sleeve here. You get Fae Children. Was, yep. Which are the... They're like gnomes. I mean, they're sort of half-elf slash gnomes slash yeah, they're, they're, fairies. They're like what gnomes have become over the past ten years, where gnomes used to be like, what if dwarves were smaller and wore dumb hats? <laughs> and, and, and now they've they've become like, what if fairies were accessible as a playable species? Because they're a little bit bigger, they're very fae-oriented, they have all this like mystical, magical illusion stuff based around them, and fae children are just that. Straight yeah. up with a connection to the to the, the the world of fairies and everything. They're just small and trickstery, and they are the go-betweens between the world of man and the world of fairy. Yeah. Great. And then finally, there's Minotaurs. We uh, mentioned them earlier, but they're there. Are there more? Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, you already said goblins, but right. we also get uh, automata, get their own listing. Oh, that's right. If there's you want to be kinds. a robot. Yeah, you get two kinds of automata where you can either be a sexy one that looks like a real person. Or you can play as like a purpose-driven like machine one that's designed to look like a machine. Yeah, you can just be like, oh, I'm like a fucking factory bot that builds cars. Yeah. Or I'm, you know, a bipedal, normal-looking robot guy. Yeah. Uh, and then we mentioned the Zashiri. They are fucking wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason it is easy to forget them is they are mentioned here and will never be drawn or mentioned again in the entire book. Yeah. Oh, and one thing that's probably worth noting, when we were talking earlier about the discrepancy between this part of the book and the setting part of the book, keep in mind that this says that the most populous species on the planet is the blooded fur furry anthro people. Yeah, it's basically humans and blooded animals. And then second most populous is humans. Yeah. Uh, but then when you get to the actual description of the book, no, everything's elves and dwarves. They're like, all right, so there's a dwarf nation, and then below that, an elf nation, and then below that, a human city. Yeah. And then a dwarf nation, and you're like, what the fuck? Where are all the furries? I thought there was supposed to be a bunch of furries. Oh, they're all at a convention. <laughs> Aha! <laughs> uh, also, orcs in this are playable, but they 100% are like, ha-ha, orcs suck. Yeah, orcs, orcs and are, goblins are... Orcs are evil, and so are goblins. They've very much taken that Tolkienian approach to orcs and goblins, where they are perverted variations of, of nature, where the orc is basically an elf that's been fucked with, and the uh, the goblin is a fey child that's been messed with, too. Yeah. The, yeah. And both of them are, you know, they're supposed to be dumb, but there's no negative stat adjustments in this game. So, And they do have a section, because this is supposed to be a very, you know, point by open system, it has a, what if you want to make your own race? And it goes, all right, well, you get your three attributes that you get, a plus two and two plus ones, and then figure out your starting HP multiplier between four and nine, Mm -hmm. a movement rating between... One foot or less and 125 feet, and then two focuses that they can get. I'm just like, so there's no, you just no balance. Every a lot of this is very talk to your GM. Yeah, a lot because there yeah. are focuses that are like this lets you do a thing, but the prerequisite listed for it is talk to your GM. Yeah, so that's you know you you're, you're getting what you're getting there. Uh, the the uh. There are six levels of pl- of power that you can make your way through in the game, but everyone's going to start as a novice, and novice ha- each one of them has an HP cap. Yeah. The, the the only thing that otherwise defines what's in each one of the power rankings is how many XP you currently have, but there's an HP cap that you have to uh, you can build your way up to, but you can't exceed. What's funny is if you start with a high enough toughness and you play as a species with a, a high multiplier, you can exceed the cap without doing anything. Yes, mostly that toughness multiplier 
is essentially how much extra XP are you going to get? Because buying more hit points is sort of trivially easy. The cap yeah. is 60 hit points. For a first for a uh, a novice character, yeah. Yeah. And you're probably going to want to spend you get 275 and you'll probably want to spend however much it takes to get to that 60, mm -hmm. which means functionally everyone is exactly as tough as everyone else when you play. It's just the person who has a times eight or a times nine multiplier got a little bit extra XP to spend on other stuff. Yes. So great. Good for that. That's it. We don't know if they get to exceed the cap or not. Like if you start with a toughness of seven and you have a times nine multiplier and you have 63 health and your your cap is 60, we don't know what happens to those last three. It doesn't say like, do you get them back when you go up to the next rank or are they just gone forever and your nine times seven was 60 for you? Yeah. Like we, when we I hit know. 300 and whatever, 75 XP and I hit the next tier, it's, it's just like, Oh, and three hit points appear. Yeah. We, we don't know. Yeah. Um, so let's get into actual character construction. Yeah. There are actually, I mentioned earlier that I thought there were five stats. I was wrong. There were seven. Yes, indeed. Uh, they are strength, reflexes, perception, knowledge, spirit, toughness, and presence. Yes, indeed. You get a one in all of them to start. You get your uh, whatever species you pick. You get your attributes on there. And then you spend points out from that point. Yeah. Uh, you can only ever have one attribute that's above five to start with uh-huh but you can't get anything higher than seven so you can have one thing at a six or a seven and that's that's it for that by natural means if you have like a magical effect or something they can push your stat above a seven but that's the only way yeah uh and that's why they make it so that you get the one and everything and then apply your modifier because they're like you can't go oh i bite a seven and then i put my in my one that I get plus two in and then go to nine. They're like, no, seven is as high as anyone can get. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you're a giant ogre or you're a fey child, seven is the highest strength you can get. Yes. Uh, which again, fine. Sure. Good. It's okay. It's all abstracted anyway. This game is very much a, uh, a rule of cool type game in terms of how uh, uh, roles work. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. Uh, when you make your character, you also get... A free focus that is a profession slash field of study. Yep, that's basically your job that you've been doing. Yep, and a lot of the focuses in here say they do a specific thing. Uh, so, like, a field of study will generally give you, uh, like, an extra die in uh, whatever you were doing. So, if yes. you're like, oh... I was working as a botanist, and then you're making a role to identify a plant. You go, oh, this is part of my field of study or my profession. Let me get an extra die. And yeah. then you can get that. Sure. The book also goes out of its way to go, look, there's like 80 fucking skills in this and an absolute metric fuck ton of focuses. Uh-huh. Foci. <laughs> nah, they're focuses. It says in the book. <laughs> Fine. Be wrong with the book. <laughs> now I'm on the book side. <laughs> uh, but yes, they... If the book jumped off a bridge... <laughs> I would catch them. <laughs> I am their guardian angel. <laughs> but yeah, they they go out of their way to go, look, a lot of these will do a very specific thing, but feel free to let it influence other stuff. Yes. It, so... If you have, like, a 
cat's grace focus that's like, oh, you land on your feet, you take less damage from falling or whatever. Yeah. They go, look, if you're in a situation where, say, someone's falling from, like, a ledge and they want to catch something or they want to be able to jump off of something and, like, shoot or whatever, they're like, if you can justify using a focus or a skill in some way let them get away with it yeah just be just as permissive it. as it's you can supposed to be all the examples of play are fairly cool in that regard where you have the, i like the one where the guy was like trying to he was hanging on ropes when his ship got because it's airships obviously obviously this game needs airships obviously um gets rammed by another airship and he like gets knocked off the rope and he does this cool description of how he like uses an awareness skill plus his accuracy to like jump off the rope and then catch it as it swings back towards him on the other direction and so on it's neat and also it says it, it i like it because it's like hey when when players are describing skills and they start to grabbing things from the environment and incorporating them into their skills do not stop them that shit's cool yeah one of my favorite things in here is that that permissiveness is throughout yeah uh when they're like yeah if you've got a skill in like you know boating or something and you want to use that for something else even if it's generally related but not technically covered under the skill they're like normally skills change the number that you have to roll to get a success Uh and they're like if it doesn't fall entirely under it let them get you know like an extra die to roll or something as long as they can justify that they are using something they know and they're engrossed and involved in the scene, just fucking give them something. That means they're paying attention and they should be rewarded. Yes. So, uh, you may be wondering about the mechanic of this game, the core mechanic, and boy, we are too. I'm kidding. It's very. It actually is laid out over and over again. It's, it's, well, it's well established. It's just kind of a funky one. Uh, it's basically a roll a handful of D10s and hunt for successes system, similar to a White Wolf type game. Uh, it, but in this case, your die pool is assembled by combining two of your seven statistics. Yeah, instead of the normal stat and skill, it's whatever two stats would be the most useful for this. Uh-huh. One of them is the primary, the other is the secondary. Not that that usually matters for anything. Yeah, it just says that one of them is supposed to be your primary and the other is your secondary. Uh, if you are... Rolling with no skill against a, 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 an, a, an attempt to do something, like let's say you're trying to climb a rope and you have no rope climbing skill or anything that would make you better at it, then you're rolling your, like, let's just take two of those stats at random, strength, strength and, and reflexes, strength and reflexes, add those together, roll that many d10s, and any eights or higher are successes because you have no skill in doing this. Skills in this game instead move the, t- the, uh, the success range up and down, or mostly just down. It yeah. starts at eight. But for each point in a skill you have, uh, they it reduces the the uh, the number on the die face it needs to show in order for that to count as success. So if you are climbing a rope, strength plus reflexes, and you have some kind of rope climbing skill that would be relevant of two, then now you only have to roll sixes or higher to get successes on that roll. Yeah. Now, um, as a starting character, you can only have two ranks in any skill. Uh-huh. You can only move down to a six at best. And even then, you can only ever, no matter what rank your character is at, get a five or better once you hit five or better is a success then extra ranks in the skill just give you more dice yes if you you become epic or legendary when you have the more we have more ranks you instead just get one extra die per rank for a total of two available additional dice yeah with a target difficulty remaining at 
you have to hit a five. The actual target difficulty, the number of successes you need to roll, is the part that's left in the GM's control. Yeah, now, uh, some of that is determined by, you know, players like in combat, people will have a defense number that's like, oh, I need to get at least, say, two successes to hit you. Yes. Uh, but if it's just a, all right, you try and leap across the rooftops, what's the role for this? Then, you know, the GM would go, all right, this is a simple thing. Maybe you need like one or two successes mm -hmm. and go up from there. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the calculating what, how hard it is to hit you is one of those sub stats you do by, I think it's, it's two of your stats. It's like perception and reflexes. Mm -hmm. Plus uh, you, you add them together and then divide that by three and the, the resulting number rounded up is your, your, your baseline defense value. Yes. That's how hard it is to hit you. Holy crap. Did I get that right? You did. You got it in one. Oh my God. And then I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna run a quick lap around the garage. <laughs> hey man, take a take a fucking feeling, good victory lap feeling, on that one. I think I might go get myself a celebratory diet soda. <laughs> go ahead and get one you of those. get into that little mini fridge, I'm going, buddy. I'm going to the mini fridge. You keep talking. I'm 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 gonna treat myself. Uh, they also have the same thing for uh, magic combat. You have a different defense number, which is your magical defense, and both of those are the same thing. It's just, I mean, not. It's a different Stat value. It's, it's, it's yeah, you, your you spirituality and I think presence. I thought I thought it was perception, but I'm I'm not going to ruin my streak by actually saying anything definitive. I don't know because I can it's never... whatever John says it was, and now I'm right. <laughs> and now I'm right. Uh huh. Yeah the uh, the defense things in there almost certainly are going to be a two or a three. Yes, like unless you manage to go. Yeah, I put a seven and a five in the two things that matter, and then you could get upwards of a four. Now, if you're wondering why we were talking earlier about how it's kind of a tax to have a lower defense or a, a toughness calculation range for your starting health, it's because of the crazy way this game handles damage calculations for weapons. Uh, when a weapon hits you, if it meets your target number, so, uh, so t uh, t attackers win ties in this, if it meets the target number, like if they needed a three to hit you and they get three successes, your weapon does its listed damage range plus your strength value in damage like your strength value being your actual strength score, uh, in damage to the target. For each success they exceed your t your uh, your roll by, they do that again. So if, for example, you now, had it... Now, here's the thing. Yeah. I don't think you actually add your strength to that. I oh, think just it's just the damage, damage of the weapon. Okay, so let's say you're swinging with like a, a standard sword, which let's say has a, a weapon damage value of five. Sure. Uh, that's actually pretty common. That's a, that's on the low ra end range of swords. Yeah. Uh, although it's not much of a range. It's not like it goes 5, 10, 1,000 or something. It's like, like it's usually 5, 6, 7, 8. Yeah, you you get at the low end is pretty much a 4. Yeah. And then it goes up to 8, and that's when you're dealing with you do enough damage that you actually have a minus 1 to your reflexes for wielding it. Yes, exactly. We're a giant two-handed beam clave type super axes and shit like that. But let's just say a nice regular short sword with a damage of 5. If you're swinging at someone with a target difficulty to hit of 2, and you get four successes, you're going to take your strength score, and say a two, and then you're going to take... You're just going to take the damage. You're going to take the damage and apply it three times. Yeah, so if your weapon Fif does 17. five, you're going to get 15. Yeah, 17, because you're applying your strength score. You're not applying your strength score. That does, I, I could have sworn that happened. I you only know. apply your strength score to hand-to-hand -hand shit. Of like, oh, like punches? Your fist is okay. strength plus a number. Everything else is just the number, and that is... A generic thing for all weapons in this is they don't have, like, short swords do five damage. Instead, they'll say a bladed weapon can do five or six, and it 
If it does five, it costs $150. If it does six, it costs $300. Yeah. There's no specific damage rating for a specific weapon. You just say, oh, I bought a better version of whatever. Yeah. So if you're like, I've got a spear. I started with a f- spear that does five. Eventually, I spent a shitload of money and bought a spear that does eight. Yeah. Now, this is, once again, taking the game back to that GM permissiveness thing where it's like, hey, your players can just describe whatever they want is whatever they want. The dollar value is the only thing setting you off from keeping the getting the best version of the weapon. And once you do it, you look super cool. So tell me why. Yeah. You can attra- you can attach shit to weapons in this game. Oh, yeah. You can pay more money and be like, great, I'll add either accuracy or damage. Or uh, if you're doing armor, you can add extra armor to yeah. it. Oh, by the way, we didn't go into it. It's a it's an XP point by system in terms of how you build a character. You st- a starting character gets 275 XP. Which sounds like a shitload until you see that everything costs a ton. Yeah, it's 50 if you want a stat point. Most of the, like, uh, skills are, if they're very niche and basically useless, if you're like, ah, calligraphy, that costs 15, or astrology for 10. Yeah. But, but if you want something useful, you're like, first aid, 30. Melee combat, 30 to tw- 25 to 35. It's, yeah. Uh, so... That 275 points does not last, and uh, lest you're trying to jump ahead of us right now and assume that there's got to be a merits and flaws system by which you can cheese extra points by promising to be the class clown, there is blessedly not. Yeah, there's no way to get more. You get 275, and that's fucking it. Yeah, which, you know, on the one hand, 275 points doesn't feel like enough, even though it seems like a tremendous amount and it's going to require a lot of bookkeeping on your part, but... I'm I'm enjoying that it does not have a flaws system because those are, are are almost invariably so easily cheesed. Yeah, I mean, ninety percent of the time I'm like, that's this should just be role playing, and you yeah. should have just folded that into how many points a guy gets. Yeah, because you're just saying, oh, I'm going to punish someone who decided they didn't want to go maximum on this. Yeah, everyone figure out what forty points of flaws looks like if it doesn't do anything to you, and give the, and everyone give themselves that. Yeah. Oh, I have bad breath, huh? Okay, how much is that? Well, it's really bad. Oh, okay. It's great. really, really bad. Should it's I get, the worst. Is that, is that 20 points, or can I get 25 points if it's extra bad? Yeah, so that doesn't do that. But uh, but yeah, that's that's basically how combat works. And, and uh, Now, for defense-wise. Defense-wise. Since the damage that comes in for successes is multiplicative, mm-hmm. if you're like, look, man, I've got a damage eight weapon, and I get three successes, I get multiplied three times eight for for the person on defense you have an armor rating uh even if you don't have any armor on you have an armor rating yes uh and you will roll a number of dice equal to your toughness score plus for certain armors you can get extra dice to that Uh uh-huh for every success you get on defense every armor rating has a number that is how much you take off of the damage incoming, and how much maximum you can take off. Yeah, like for example, a suit of like medium heavy army armor in this game will usually have a score value listed of six slash thirty. Yeah, which is to say that for each success you get on your your defense rolls, you pull six damage off, and the maximum amount of damage that armor could possibly pull off is six. Which means if you got more than five successes on that roll, I'm sorry, thirty. Which means if you got more than five successes on that roll, they're not doing anything because you've already hit your maximum absorption for the round. Yeah, there's only so much damage your armor can take. Yes. Uh, so, generally, it's easier to get uh, good weapon damage than it is good armor soak. Uh-huh. But it also is easier to get more dice on the attack. 
Uh, you know, you've got the two stats that you're doing, whereas for armor, it's just toughness. So it is definitely better. You know, it's more damage focused. You can't usually just be like, no, fuck it. I will never take damage. I'm just a full armor man. Yeah. Uh, because as well, your starting equipment that you can get, you can throw everything you have at, like, I'll get the best armor I can start with, with the best qualifiers. And even then you'll go to essentially the medium grade armor with plus two dice is I think about as good as you can get. Yes. So, you know, it's, there's a reason they're like, yeah, everyone's probably going to have 60 hit points to start with. Cause if a dude comes at you and rolls five successes over your shit with a sword and you don't have 60 hit points to soak that, you're going to die yeah. immediately. Yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty rocket taggedy game without some without some uh taking advanced care. Yeah. Uh now there is a full complicated far too probably a little too complicated before we get into this. I, I was going to start talking about the magic system. I wanted to mention a couple of the the uh focuses or foci uh-huh. that are somewhat more notable. Yeah. Um, notably I want to talk about Akai develop- blessings. Ble- Akai blessings. Uh-huh. Cuz that's probably more important. There's only one randomized element to character creation in this game, which is rolling your birth month. Yeah, it's weird for a game that starts out being like we're all about you can create anything you want before you even look at points. Always come up with a concept. What is your character? What do you want to play as? Give some keywords. Anyway, you have to roll randomly for your birth month, and that also gives you an element that you are randomly assigned, and a, like, spirit god, guardian, that is also assigned to you. Yes. You're like, weird that I can't choose that, but okay. And it makes specifically a couple of them, seemingly at random, much rarer. Notably, the elements of earth and metal are rarer than all the other classic elements, which would be the ones you're picking from. Uh, They each have a god associated with them, and then there's a, a... Focus you can choose called Akai. Blessings of the Archive. Blessings of the Archive, where you roll randomly on a 3D10 roll chart. This is definitely something we need to talk about. Uh, it's a 3D10 roll chart that gives you, you roll on it twice. We're taking the, the Blessings of the Akai fo- uh, Focus. Because each Archive has Archai. two months that they are have as their purview. Yeah, so like so, June, July or something. Yeah, so like Galen is the Water Archive and looks over March and April. Yeah. So if you pick. Blessings of the Archive, you roll 3d10 twice, you add all the dice together, and you go to the chart, and you get, you know, 3d10 for March, you find whatever that total is for March and get that, roll 3d10, add it together, look at April, get the total for that, get the April one. Now, notable thing about this chart that's so much fun to describe is that the chart is 30 items. It's, it's, got, a, it's a 1 to 30 it's, chart. It's a 1 to 30 chart that you calculate what you get off it by rolling 3d10. Now... I, I, I'm sure you've probably already started to put together the, the concern with this. <laughs> you cannot get a one or a two here. Yeah, and getting a three or a 30 is vastly rarer. Than, it's a bell curve. And both of those things, the one and the two, are spell essentially casting. being a spellcaster for free. Yes. Uh, and the usually the 30 is also being a spellcaster. Yeah. So a lot of the mid-range ones that you would get more often in the bell curve also kind of suck for most of them. They're like plus one rank in a random skill. Oh, yeah. If you're like, what did you get? I got plus one level stewardship, you know, in case I want to be better at being a butler. Yeah. So wonderful. So it's a little it's not a great investment. 
And the fact that they... I, but I, it's, it's a gamble because you're like, it costs 15 points yeah. or XP, which makes it cheaper than almost any other focus you would get. It does, yeah. And you can roll into things like, oh, I just rolled like on the Galen table. All right, for March, I rolled an eight. I get plus one presence. That's 50 XP worth on one of the rolls. Yeah, it's quite good. And what do you pay for this random, these two random rolls that obviously everyone's going to do? Uh, well, you pay 15 points. Also, you have to obey two of the four tenets of the god that was the purview god for your your month. Uh, these tenets sound like they're good. They, they describe them like they're going to be taboos from some others. You know, you can't wear metal armor or you can't go outside on Thursdays or something like that. They're not. They're all just empty fortune cookie style platitudes. They're things like live life to the fullest. Oh, you should uh, be more flexible. Mm -hmm. Okay. You should use your power to its utmost ability. Oh my god, what a restriction. Eat, pray, love. <laughs> Sorry, a lot of motorcycles today. So many motorcycles today. So uh so yeah, it's uh it, it's kind of funny that they bother with that at all cuz you don't see the platitudes for a bit after you see that res that restriction. So you're like, "Oh, those must be pretty onerous cuz this is quite a investment oh, it's gamble." So cheap and the gamble can pay off so good. Oh, like the best is if you get that spell casting cuz you're getting like 60 free points oh, at the I at the minimum. I mean, getting, if you got, because you can't get the best one, which is getting a Manser level two, mm -hmm. which at that point is like 60 free points. Yeah. The best you could get on what you can actually roll is about 100 if you just got two stats. Yeah. But you could end up getting like, oh, I got barely better than what I would have gotten for the 15 if you like. I rolled, you know, a 10 and a 15 skill that mm -hmm. just suck. Yeah. But most of them are pretty good. Pretty good. But they also are a... It's one of the things that I look at and go, well, obviously every single person is going to get this because it's cheap it's, as dirt and gives you a lot of shit. It's also one of the more flavorful things in this game and it's that you can pick And it's a great from. way to go, how do I make my character different or yeah. unique? Yeah. So if you're like, okay, great. Well, I was born under the fire sign of Uriah. All right, I'll roll twice on this. I've already decided I was going to be... I don't know, a wizard. And then you're like, oh, you now have plus one in business skills. You're like, right, I guess I could be a merchant wizard. I'm a huh, business that's interesting. wizard. Yeah. I'm business wizard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Cliff Gandalf, business wizard. That's hey, me. Here's my card. Oh, it disappeared. That's what it does. It's the, my card's also a wizard. <laughs> wizard card. <laughs> I picked those up at a wizard businessman convention. Really ir irritating. You're right. Oh, it's the worst. Ah, mm -hmm. And so am I. <laughs> Let's do lunch. <laughs> I'll summon it now. Here's 5,000 lunches. No sense of right or wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's that. And then uh, one of the other interesting things that I would say in the focus that it lets you do is you have tech points as a character, which are just a lot of the various focuses you'll get are like oh this lets you do a thing if you spend tech points yes uh so you can do stuff like ah i get a cool dodge if i spend a tech point i can like flip out of the way yeah uh and there's also mana there's mana for spell casting but one of the more interesting things they have is a permanent ability focus where you can go oh if i pay 35 xp plus the cost of a different focus or spell power whatever uh focus i can then use that 
at will now without paying points for it. Right. So if you're like, I have the spider climb or magical flight, normally I have to spend, you know, mana in order to fly for a little while. If I spend 70 XP on it, I just be like, no, I just fly all the time. Fuck I, you. I can just lie, buddy. Yeah, there's a couple I don't know of... why tacos didn't turn birds <laughs> into regular people. I'm flying all over the place. Yeah. And there's multiple kinds of flying in this game. Yeah, you can have winged flight is yeah. one of the fucking normal things. Or just cool hovering because, you know, that's what anime wizards are always doing. So it's fine. Yeah. Of course, I always fly everywhere. I'm a, I'm a business wizard. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to be like, yeah, we put first class, baby. We put flight in here in case you're like, oh, yeah, I've got you know, a magic spell that I can do to make me fly around. Yeah. That's fine. If you get permanent, then you're just a superhero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there are like six kinds of wizards, which I'm only going to very briefly gloss over uh, because this book's got a lot of stuff in it. Just a ton of stuff. Yeah. But the wizard kinds are, uh, most of them are defined by what trick they get involved with the generic ma- or the magic system. Uh, so for example, an arcanist can cast spells above his level. They can just cast all the spells, uh, provided that they have purchased the spell, which costs XP. They can cast it even if they don't have that level of caster yet. Yes. This is just bad because levels of casting spells are not that expensive. And the chance of backfiring and hurting yourself by casting a level above your level is huge. So they just suck. You've also I mean, got... Ma- the the Arcanist being able to be like, no, what probably will happen is, oh, I'll get a level two spell while I'm at level one. Yeah. Because if you're like, I'd like to spend, you know... 80 XP or whatever on, or 30 XP if you wanted to get to a level six. If you're like, I spend 30 XP, I get one level six spell. If I cast that spell, I will almost certainly blow my own nuts off. Yes. <laughs> well, maybe don't. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to, in which case I support that transition. It's a weird <laughs> way to do it, but I'm into it. <laughs> I use magic to blow my nuts. <laughs> uh, Mancer, which is kind of the elementalist. You can't be one because the only way to get in there is I to... I mean, get, you can. You, you can, can just say, I am a one. Yeah, you can't get it for free. Uh, Mank Cultist, which is a cursed version where you have to like cut parts of yourself off and make sacrifices and so on in exchange for power. Uh, what else is there? So there's Animancy, which is I get my magic from making deals with spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you usually have either a spirit that's like, I'll only teach you these types of spells. Oh, that's right, yeah. And you get a few extra free ones per level. Or they'll teach you anything, but you don't get as many free spells. Yeah, the specialized to non-specialized. But even within the specialized, they're like, a specialized spirit can teach you between two and four schools of magic. Like, why would I pick two? (laughs) Because the GM was an asshole. (laughs) Because, again, this is another thing where it's like, yeah, the GM just determines. If you're like, I want to have my power come from the white stag. I want them to teach me. Then the GM can go, great, the white stag is a super celestial and... They know all the spells, and it's fine. Yeah. But if you go, I don't know, I want the shitty rat man to t- teach me spells. He's like, all right, rat man knows two types of spells. So you get those. Yeah. Uh, there's the archai ritualization. Oh, that, yeah. Which okay. is essentially, you do the same thing as the blessings of the archai. It's just now you learn magic. Uh-huh. Uh, and again, you have to, as part of it, be like, yeah, and I dedicate myself to some of these fucking platitudes. These silly platitudes. Uh, sorry, guys. I got to be honest in my dealings. Yeah. There's Clavian Cultivation, which is I am Asian wizard. <laughs> That's just Asian wizard. Because <laughs> uh, Arcanist is wizard who's like, I will bend reality to my will and figure out the words that shape the cosmos. Clavian Cultivation is I work on my inner spirituality and make my chi better. Mm-hmm. And now I can be at one with the universe. 
there's then summoner. the last one is summoning. Yeah. And Summoner it's, is straight it, up Yuna. It, yeah, it's FF10 Summoner. It's FF10 Summoner. It takes so much work to even understand, let alone describe, because you get something called Summon XP that you use to build your summons, and you can summon them in to do individual attacks, or you can have them replace you for a while. Yeah, it's wild that all the rest of them are like, oh, you're a, a Mancer. You have a specific element, and you pay less to cast it, and you get some dice when you cast that type of element. But you can cast whatever. Cool. You're an Arcanist. You get the ability to cast higher level. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. But you get to Summoner, and they're just like, all right, here's five pages to explain what the fuck this does. It's so confusing. And you can tell it's all Final Fantasy derived, because they even show their examples of some summons, and they're like, Slepnir and Fenris, and they're like, they're like, oh, you I get, get it. You get Munin the Raven. Munin uh. the Raven. Not Odin. That's different. <laughs> uh, But yeah, it's all just like, oh, for every level of thing you get an amount of summon xp and you, you build the summon with the summon xp but you can spend your xp for more summon xp to make the xp on your summon better i always find it funny when these games pull this because final fantasy does this too where they're like look summons are based on real mythology just deal with it <laughs> you gotta deal with it. garuda's a summon in final fantasy 14 or no she's a primal in final fantasy 14 but garuda is also like an actual God type spirit thing from Earth mythology. Yes, but the same thing, and so is Odin and 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 all, and, uh, all these other ones. And here you the same thing. You got Fenris and Munin and so on. And it's the only reference to Earth stuff. Yeah, with one exception. One of the gods, the the god of steel, is Masamun. Yep. So other than that, no reference to Earth stuff. Oh, except for Iceland, I guess. Uh, yeah, there's Iceland. <laughs> uh, spells are. You have a potency that you'll get from casting. It's usually depending on the type of spell, because in addition to every spell has a uh, element that it is under. So it'll be like either in any element or like this is an earth spell. This is a water spell. It also has a type of spell. So it'll go, this is a creation spell or a direct damage spell or a mental and communication spell. Right. And so sometimes depending on what type of thing you're casting, the skills are on types. Yep. So you can get a skill in like mental and communication spells, but Mancers get better at like air spells and it doesn't matter what type they are. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of little knobs everywhere. And they also have like, oh, I roll for it. And the stats I use for the type like my mental and communication role uses different stats than my direct damage role. Yeah. Also, your spells can have like different runes attached to them. So can your weapons. The game has like a million little moving parts. It's very much a a pick and choose to build stuff game. It's got a it's got a million different ways to build a character out, and not nearly enough XP to use most of it. So you're kind of building a tr- a little lightning bolt path through the grid. Yeah. When you I, build a character, I did like a lot of spells in this have upgrade paths oh yeah 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 which is nice so that you'll get something where you're like all right uh if i have like water breathing Mm -hmm. for instance then you'd go all right normally when i do my roll for water breathing uh it lasts five minutes per success i get on the roll yeah if i bump that up to another level i just pay the difference in the cost i don't have to rebuy it at the new level so like it cost me 10 to get it at level 2, 15 for level 3, so I just pay 5 XP to bump it to 3. Right. Now it lasts 20 minutes per success instead of 5. Mm-hmm. At level 4, it's an hour per success. Yeah. 
So they have that on a ton of different things, and not all of them are just a straight up one stat goes up. So it might be like, this is a ranged attack, and at level two it does more damage. At level three, it has a longer range. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it, there's a lot of thought put into a lot of this. Yeah, there's um, but there is a shitload of spells. It's way too much. This this could have easily been a two part episode. Maybe it should have been. I don't know. But do you want to describe the world a little bit? Sure. You want to tell me about that? Because we're already at the hour mark. That's uh, fine. We're, we're probably. I'll, I will do a very simple overview of what's happening in the world of Cirrus. And since I didn't read that part, I will do my best to assist you by doing a. Uh, a attractive little dance. <laughs> oh my! Mm, now start talking. Oh, that's great. Don't, I don't. don't I, I'm so entranced don't by your dis- little dance. Don't get distracted by me. Just do your talking. I want to. <laughs> I, I want to hear all. It's of like it. I'm not even here. <laughs> I know. It's like I'm wearing nothing at all. Uh so the entire section of this book, like the last hundred pages or so, is given over to talking about the world of Cirrus. But it is all done in character. Oh, yeah. All the chapters open with a travelogue-style intro that's like, this is going to be a regular thing. And then drop it immediately. It's so weird. It's very abrupt. Because this thing tries to do it throughout. And even in the, like, bestiary section of it, they're like, hey, here's a note. We gave ratings for monsters, and they uh, that's to let travelers know how difficult it'll be when you find them. Note to editor, like who's editing this, the in-world editor, mm-hmm. uh, be sure to list any spell-like abilities they might have. Note them with SP. And you're like, <laughs> okay, thanks. My favorite cool. is the start for the gear section where it's like, this is the mercantilistic list of thing, of prices that should be found across the country or the world of Cirrus. So these prices may, may vary, but in my est- esteemed opinion as H. Huntley Badge Guard, these are the correct prices. And every one of them should be correct, and this is my manifest. And then the very first thing is, also convert any price to dollars if you want to buy something that's not in this list. And then also the list is like, a weapon that does five damage. Yeah. <laughs> it it gets a little goofy in the conceit. Uh, but the general idea for Cirrus is, you have several different continents. Your main continent is Ithis, or Ithis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Itis. That, you got that Itis. The Itis. Yeah. You have a bunch of different nations here. You've got a northern and southern dwarven nation mm-hmm. because during the god elf or the god wars with the god elven. Yep. Because the god Manth 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 came down and decided your Manth. <laughs> well, it hurts. <laughs> well, I'm pithed. <laughs> your cat's a Manth. <laughs> Well, I think he just lost his tail in an accident. Uh, accident. It might be Mangith, but... Well, it's M-A-I-N-G-T-H, so it's the Mangth. It's... I mean, in my head, I kept saying Mangth, but I kept also thinking, this has got to be something different. It I, can't just be Mangth. I like to assume that the G is silent and it's actually pronounced Mangth, but but Mangth is what I've been saying the whole time. Yeah. And then part of me goes, maybe it's Mangith. Yeah, could be. Could be the main gith in, in town. Yeah. I'm the main gith in town, baby. But... Mangith or Mangth was the god of basically like bad, evil, dead bones and just the yeah. bad god. He's the bone god. He went to a group of elves bone and god? was like, hey, here's a bunch of the secrets of magic. Go ahead and use this to enslave everyone else and then worship me because mm-hmm. Tacos was the main god 
and he was like, fuck that guy. I want to be the main guy. Uh, <laughs> Come on, which would you prefer? Delicious tacos or mank? <laughs> hey, who wants a mank? Who wants a big bowl or bag, I assume, of mank? Who wants my big burlap bag of mank? <laughs> I mean, some foods, some good foods come in bags, Frito pies, Toasty Locos, but not very many. You not many. You wouldn't be excited about a big bag of gruel. Ah. Uh, so that kicked off a giant period of horseshit where the god elves do a bunch of slavery and conquests and they fuck up the whole fucking continent and most of the world. And eventually they get taken out once... I guess tacos and the archive get involved because they're like, oh, hey, wait a minute. This fucking sucks. Yep. But there's the southern dwarven group who were refugees who fled the god elves and made a new home there. Mm -hmm. The ancestral home is the northern home. You've got a bunch of elven nations in the Oaken Grove and Wildermeet and a bunch of places like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of it is very standard like yeah dwarves live in mountains they carved out the mountains to have a bunch of yeah, fucking it's, places it's, in it, there it, for all the stuff about how this is like an anime wild setting with steampunk and so on the setting description sounds very much like dwarves live in in mountains elves live in forests yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> it's uh there are a few interesting things like the dwarven southern one has this giant miles long tunnel that you go to to get to it. Yeah. But the whole thing is like, oh, there are these pillars that are themselves a calendar that tell like the entire story of that's cool. The pilgrimage or the like escape and what these dwarves went through so that as you go on the way in this journey to this southern dwarven land, you go through all of their history and everything. Also, there's a Sonic burger. <laughs> I mean, there is one hotel that exists in the middle of this tunnel, and it's great. <laughs> nice. And it's just owned by a human. Mm. It's just like, hi, I've got an inn here. I showed up and gave biscuits to dwarves, and then they were like, this is great. Have an inn. <laughs> Could you please open a Sonic Burger? Please. And he's like, wow, I will. And also, may I mention that some of you are almost as hot as people. <laughs> I'd almost consider some of you fuckable. <laughs> some of you. <laughs> Eyes narrow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you get, there's an entire continent that's just uh, the jungle continent, and that's where we put the Aztecs and the pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, whatever. At least they beat, I, I assume, because it's from 2007, that they beat Wizards of the Coast to doing that. Yep. So it's just, what's this? Oh, uh, it's jungle continent. The Aztecs. The pirates and an entire monkey-blooded nation is what's living there. Fair, okay, yeah. I always, I, I have been wondering if the uh, the blooded nations were like individual species, like oh, this is the Wolflands or whatever, or if it was going to be more like mostly they just, they intermingle. Yeah, but the monkey-blooded one are like, oh, they think everything's funny and they're all trickstery, and they created a society that's specifically monkey blood utopia in the trees okay and they're like oh anyone can visit but we're kind of assholes to you because that's our whole deal so most people don't stay i've tried a monkey blood fruitopia is that the same thing it is exactly the same thing. okay very thank good. you for bringing that up. all right glad i'm glad i could <laughs> do you, would you prefer i stopped interrupting and instead no, continue my attractive I would dance not. 
Uh, Clave, which as we mentioned, is just China, Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's got as well, I think, a few little islands that are nearby. Uh, Those are China, Japan. Or Japan, China. That's Japan, China. Yeah. Uh, it has a continent called Malacant, which is basically the high-end area for if you hit max level, because okay. it's just, what is this? It's an entire little island continent that is covered in a perpetual storm, and anyone who goes there is forever lost. But there are rumors that there is a paradise in the middle of it, and you're like, oh, okay. That's mm-hmm. that's just a, a cool story hook. Sounds kind of pessimistic to me. I prefer to go to the island of Malacan. <laughs> Are you a Malacan or a Malacant? <laughs> I'm a Malawont. <laughs> I'm a Malam maybe later. I'm a Malaw would prefer not to. <laughs> I'm more like a Malamar, really. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. Uh, this, of course, also has, because it wouldn't be a cool fantasy setting without floating islands. So, several of them. With, with Yeah. There's, you know, floating islands like Floatenheim. I do like that name. God bless I, I mean, I gotta say Floatenheim is, is fine by me. Yeah, you get White Guard Station 32, where mm-hmm. the nation of White Guard, which is basically church country, yeah. uh, has their a, own flying uh, mountain. Always got to have that flying Catholic mountain in any, in any game, yeah. Yeah, then you can go to White Guard and learn how to be a gun angel or a paladin or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harold and Kumar, I believe. <laughs> go to White Guard. We go to White Guard, yeah. yeah. Uh, I do like that they saw whatever the fuck that movie was that has gun kata in it. Oh, yeah, uh, fucking uh, Equilibrium. Yeah, they saw Equilibrium, and they're like, yeah, there are gun angels in White Guard. I'm like, cool. Yeah, there's that great part where they describe White Guard as like having all these crazy things. They're like, the gun island of White Guard contains gun angels and sword blades and uh, uh, shadow hunt fire master blades. And you're like, what is that? Don't worry about it. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, eventually, there is a section where they will describe what the fuck that is, but yeah. when you're first going through it, they're like, Anyway, White Guard's got these things. What's that? I don't know. Anyway, there's a place where they sell food nearby. And I'm like, what? It's a, it's a Sonic Burger. <laughs> yeah. It's not just in that tunnel anymore. They've expanded. Of course, there's uh, a floating island above Clave, which is Tenjiro. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's where the, the uh, Asurans or whatever they live? Uh, it Arun- is... Aru- Aruna? <laughs> it's the same name as one of the penis substitutes from that other game we read. I, I just remember what that. Penis substitutes. No, I remember in uh, what, what that game is where, where everyone had flowers for dicks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That Aruna game. was a word from that as well. I think it was the word for sex in that game. Uh-huh. Uh, what else do we have? There's, you know, a bunch of little places you could go that are like, ooh, you go to the, you know, jungles out here or go to the Black Temple, uh, old god elven place and i don't know yeah. look through ruins so it's it has it's got stuff it's got stuff it's it's neat enough yeah uh you know it goes into uh the dwarfs built mech suits so they have uh big old uh mechanized like 10 20 foot tall suits like, of armor yeah they're called like siege suits yeah the siege suits because got a mecha it's steampunk anime yeah, and they built siege suits because the place that they got exiled to when they fled the god elves was full of fucking kaiju, so it's all just, yeah, we built giant Jaegers to fight kaiju. Yeah, like if you fucking told me that the dwarves were doing Pacific Rim somewhere, I'd be like, all right, sold. 
Yeah. Like, that's very burying the lead where they're like, what's over here? I don't know. An, an egalitarian elf nation that's in a forest and it's called Elfin Town and the elves live there and they frolic. And what are the dwarves doing? Oh, fighting kaiju and giant robots. Start with that one. Give me that first. Don't be like, the city of Crow is where humans live. Humans are boring. Yeah. They have farmland. Let me tell you about that. Like, don't tell me about the fucking farmland. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, there's the Feylands. There's an entire area that's all for the Animalia, like the smart animals. There is a forest that specifically has a bunch of, like, white ribbons tied around parts of trees called the white border and they're like yeah if you're not just an animal and you go past that we will murder you mm. you're allowed in our towns that are nearby but if you go past the white border we will fuck your shit if you're just some dude yeah i'm going to accept that in a fantasy book but in any other situation if you tell me i'm not allowed to go past the white border i'm gonna punch you <laughs> look there's a white border and if you're across the white border when the sun goes down <laughs> oh nope you fucked up yeah, don't do that <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, I think the only other thing to really talk about in the setting is the reason that there is all this steampunk nonsense is, uh, they had a point where they turned magic off in the setting in order to fight the god elves. Yeah. So the star kindlers called a spaceship down and that's where the fucking other humans are at. And... They turned off magic for a while, which means technology started to advance because mm -hmm. they couldn't just use magic. But then the Arcanists discovered that, like, no, we can force magic to come back. Yeah. And so once the Arcanists started getting magic, then Teos went, fine, everyone can have magic again because otherwise we're just going to have another god elf situation where a group of people have magic and no one else does. Yeah. So everybody gets magic again. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Everyone... Worships the Archai and tacos. The reason I brought to bring up Core is because you were saying there's a reason why there's all this steampunk shit going on, and it's because every steampunk game needs to have its thing that makes fucking blimps make sense. Oh yes, to stop uh, to stop them from being like, well, everyone's in airships. Well, wouldn't those be crazy heavy and impossible to function? No, because someone invented water that'll boil forever and not go away. <laughs> yeah. In this game, it's called Core, and it's basically like a heavy earth magnet that generates electricity. So uh, it, it spins and it generates electricity without doing anything else. Like it just sits there doing that. Yeah, you so, mostly in the airships in this have like a boat that has four giant helicopter propeller things yeah. above it that it, lift it around. Yeah, they do usually have gas bags overhead, but the gas bag is to help with lift. And so if your core si system gets damaged, you, you don't just crash immediately. Yeah, it's like a parachute instead. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, you know, basically it. And then there's right. a giant. Uh, bestiary, the way enemies work in this is neat. Everything has a stat line for a type of monster. So uh -huh. you'd be like, this is an aggressive attacker. This is a ranged hitter. Yeah. This is someone who does like, uh, hindering things and they cast spells at you. This so is kind of like back when fourth edition D and D had like the, the various monsters. Yeah. The lurkers yeah. and what lurkers and soldiers and brutes. Yeah. And it's all right. There is a version of this stat line. For each level, so each of the six tiers you can be at has a version of the stat line. Mm -hmm. And the bestiary is just take one of those stat lines and add these like special abilities or weaknesses and things to it, and then it becomes whatever. So if you're like, all right, take a uh, a dodgy accurate stat line, but make it have the ability to shadow walk and have dog scent, 
Now you created a Cerberus. Okay, that's pretty cool. Sure. Yeah, I like that. I appreciate that. I always like it when a game has a bestiary at all, and I especially like it and when it's an innovative And one of the things model. in the bestiary is a biblically accurate angel called a cherubim. Nice. Okay, so there's one more little chunk of human mythology left in there. Yep. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, people probably get mad if I call cherubim mythology. Nah. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a day. I'm allowed to call cherubim mythology. But yeah, you get, you know, some dry ads and whatnot. And mm-hmm. Some wet ads. <laughs> You get you get wet ads. <laughs> there are centaurs. They're just accurate attackers with prophetic vision and time sense. Nice. That's okay. a centaur. Cool. So do you want to get into favorites and least favorites? Let's do it. Great. What was your favorite thing here? What was your favorite thing about the Silvervine core rulebook and Cirrus world book? I mean, definitely the picture I'm looking at right now of a Medusa that has a shirt that says my eyes are up here. Nice. That's pretty great. <laughs> God bless you. The art in this isn't amazing, but sometimes I love the gags. That's a good gag. Is it in one of the comic strips? Because that I, I no. was I was holding the least favorite. It's in the bestiary. Okay. Uh for the Medusa entry, and I was like, that's clever and I like it's it. It's good shit, yeah. Uh no, my favorite thing in this is probably the genericized version of both the weapons and the creatures, where they go, Look, man, you don't need to know that like a longsword does a D eight and a broadsword does a D10, and you're like, well, why would I use a longsword? I don't know, role-playing? Yeah. Like, I could just role-play that this broadsword's a longsword, and yeah. you eat my ass. Yeah. So being able to go, yeah, if I want to say I have a fucking short sword that does D, or does seven damage instead of four, I can just say that it's a super sharp, magically enhanced short yeah. sword. Yeah. Granted, the uh, the weapon description does include like a, a whole separate chart just for katanas. And then it tries to justify why katanas get their own section. There are three types, because you have to have one for Tonto and one for Nodachi, plus one for Katana there in the middle. So it says, like, these are single-edged curved blades, is what it's called. And then there's a second section for just regular blades that has shit like scimitars and Dao in it, which are single-edged curved blades. Hmm. I, don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, but they aren't thousand-folded. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say thousand-folded. It just says single-edged curved. Or does it say it goes through a maybe it goes through a complicated forging process? But you know what else does goes through that watered steel scimitars. <laughs> so anyway, yes, just, just saying it does break that rule a little bit. The genericized version of things yeah. where you just have a stat line and they're like, "Look, just make it whatever you want." I know it. The game is big on look. Describe doing what you do, however the fuck you want to do it. Yeah, we yeah. don't care. Yeah, in fact, that your was armor be... can be described. If you want to say like, "I'm in." full plate armor and i walk around and it fucking makes big chunk noises every time i take a step but you have the lightest fucking armor in the book because you can't afford heavier armor yeah you can do that it doesn't matter and if you have the heaviest armor in the game and you say oh i have a belt pack on that generates little force fields that block things that try to hit me that's fine yeah it doesn't matter they're like everything is just flavor skin however you want, and yeah. I love that. Yeah, so I was going to say a very similar thing. The permissiveness of care of action description Oh yeah, is probably my favorite thing, where it's like, hey, just roll to see what happens, and after you do that, describe it however it makes the most sense to you. And the fact that they're even like, man, describe it however you want. And then roll. And then figure out what you have that could use that. So yeah. instead of just going, I attack a guy, for like, hey, I've got to like, focus in jumping. If I jump off a ledge down at a guy and swing at him can i get a bonus or you can know I an extra jumping die? as my attack stat sure I'm like great fuck go for it 
we love that shit in this game. Yeah, and, and I would be, I would feel very hypocritical if I didn't call that as my favorite thing because it's my favorite thing about like Sentinels, the role playing game as well. Yeah. Where you're like, oh yeah, you can definitely attack with con- with self discipline in this game. Just figure out how it works and say it. Yeah, if you want to punch a guy with banter, you can do that. You're yeah. Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So I like that a lot here. But that said, what would you say is your least favorite thing? Oh man, I I feel like it's probably got to be there's two things i'm going back and forth on one of it is obviously the fact that there are certain things that just aren't balanced for no reason in the point by system that is true like the arc the blessings of the archive and not being able to get two of the results period sucks it is also very weird to see a point by system that is inherently and just blatantly unbalanced in the first place because you're like the whole reason to bother with point by is to attempt achieve some semblance of balance. Yeah, and to just go, hey, uh, if I'm, I don't know, a orc and I have times eight to my hit points, but I also have four total points that I got to my stats, you have four total points to your stats, and you have a four times hit point modifier. Why? What am I giving up for that? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. So that is, I think, the... Probably the weak thing for me is if you want to have a section that's like, hey, here's everything is make whatever you want, but you very clearly didn't balance it yeah. and didn't try to, that feels weird for a point by spe- system specifically. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, what is your least favorite? Uh, I, I'm probably going to go with the art in general. It's a mix of, of I mean, I feel bad because there's a lot of artists credited here, yes. but it's a mix of. Very bare bones, early, like, I'm new to this type manga type drawing where you got a lot of, you know, big watery eyes and, and eyes that are visible over hair and giant boots and characters that have snout noses uh, and, and that that sort of stuff. But also those fucking comic strips. God, the comic strip would, in this can just go take a run and jump. They would be better if they were just empty space and it was labeled empty space. <laughs> this label to be filled later. Yeah. They're, they're just not good, and I don't know what they're doing there. They don't even seem like they're set in this game world. <laughs> yeah. It's odd. Yeah, I so, don't know why. So, I mean, I'm not saying that by way of saying this game is amazing, so the only thing I can possibly come up with to say is the art is is, is damning with faint praise, am I right? But it's it really, it's it's more like, also, I, I didn't, none of this really reached out and grabbed me, especially. I thought the character creation was kind of cool and the permissivist was nice. Huh. Sorry. I looked up. Who did that comic strip? Oh boy, is it someone? The we... person who did the Devil's Panties. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, is it a comic? It is a comic strip. But I was like, oh hey, I've seen that before. And then I looked at the art and went, oh yeah, this is a better version of that art. Okay, all right, cool, neat. So anyway, I didn't like them. Uh, but yeah, just the art in general. And then yeah, the rest of the game I found basically at the mid range. It's fine. It's okay. But would you play this game, John? Uh, I. I could see myself playing this game. It's not amazing, but I could I could do it. All right. Yeah, fair. Sure. Sure. Okay. Fucking, why not? We got a yes. Sure. What about you? Would you play Silvervine? Uh, ultimately, upon looking at what you can accomplish with the XP system, I feel like the starting characters are a little too light for me to really want to get into them. But I don't know. I Maybe. I, here's the thing. I, I'm always down to fuck with a furry game. Yeah. Like, I, 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 there, there are trusted allies in the war against, uh, against bad people. And I want to support them whenever I can. So sure. I'll play this furry game. Yeah. I'll play any furry or juggalo game. I will. Any furry (laughs) or juggalo game that crosses the desk, unless it's like deeply reprehensible in some way. I'd try it. Yeah. So, so I guess 
It's a it's a mid yes from me, meaning <laughs> sure, we would both probably give this a try. Great. Good enough? Good enough. Hey, then thank you so much for checking out our fine show, folks. And if you want to hear more of our show, then we're going to go make characters in this game. And if you want to hear about those characters, all you have to do is head to our Patreon, patreon.com slash systemmastery, and support us at the $2 level. That's right. Mm-hmm. $2 level, we make characters. You'll find it all there. But that's not all. Oh, we make so much more. We've got all the kinds of content you could want at various levels. Obviously, it helps support the show. Mm-hmm. But you can, at the $10 a month level, unlock just like a dozen fucking extra shows every month. It is too much stuff. We make a lot of stuff. And if you want that stuff, there's various levels that'll unlock it. Uh, also, it'll unlock ad-free. If you support us at any level, you get all of our shows in a single RSS feed where everything's ad-free. What a deal that is in and of itself for the $2 a month range. But if you go up to 10 bucks a month, you're getting an un- a crazy amount of shows to mm-hmm. keep you busy through those long, boring days. Yes. So please help us continue to do what we do. Otherwise, we will, of course, see you very soon if you're going to be at the very at these following conventions, the San Diego Comic-Con, uh, Gen Con, Big Bad Con, and potentially new for the first time, maybe New York Comic-Con? We're working on it. But maybe not. Maybe not. So um, it's Who knows? Not, not a promise, but there's at least three more conventions this year where you can find us. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right. Otherwise, hey, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again real soon. You have a good one. 